Hello, 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 hello. Can you hear me? Hear me? Hear me? Hear me? Can you, Jack? Yes, I'm here, Sai. Good stuff. Good morning. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks. It's a nice uh, sunny day out here on the outskirts of Dundee. Yes, me too. It's lovely in Fife, the Riviera it's called. Do you want to count us in, Jack? I can count you in if you want. Come on then. Last me to one, two, three or three, two, one. Yeah. Do it then. Three, two, one. Welcome to Black Arrow's Employment Team Podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and intends to keep you on the straight and narrow with your staff. This is our The Law Behind the Headlines season. We're going to take a look at the stories which are making the headlines and ask ourselves, is this case for real? How on earth did the employer get away with that? And then ask, crucially, what is the law behind the headlines? The big question. The big one. So this is episode two we're on, and actually we forgot to do our three takeaway tips, didn't we, in episode one? We did. I think we just got that excited about getting back to the studio. 40 episodes in and we forget the three takeaway tips, so let's do that today if we can. This episode is brought to you by the podcast host.com, the ultimate how-to podcast resource on the web. They can help you with anything podcast related, from planning and launching your show, to equipment and editing, growing an audience, and even monetizing your show. Check out their free step-by-step guide on how to start your very own podcast at thepodcasthost.com slash start. Great, Jack. Amazing. Okay, so let's talk about this episode two. So, usually when we speak about employment tribunal cases, we have to do so on an anonymized basis due to client confidentiality issues. However, in this series, because these cases are all in the Kurt Cobain, we can mention the cases by name and throw caution to the wind. What's Kirk? What's Kirk Cobain, Jack? Uh, Kirk Cobain. Kirk oh, sorry, Cobain. that's just me. That's rhyming slang for uh, public domain. <laughs> <laughs> is that Cockney, is it? That's Blair Gowrie, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> like dog and bone. Phone. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so um, do you have any other rhyming slang for this episode, Jack? Mm, I think maybe most of them are probably too rude for this forum, <laughs> but I'll try and think of them as we go. Watch okay. this space. Okay, so the headline here is Daily Mail, and it says, Officer sacked for calling black colleague king of the jungle wins 16 grand unfair dismissal payout as judge rules his remark wasn't racist. So, officer, so some employee is sacked for calling a black colleague king of the jungle launches a claim against his employer. Tribunal judge finds this dismissal was unfair and awards him 16 grand. Is that right? That is exactly right, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's quite a sensational headline as well because, I mean, the sort of the immediate connotation that I draw from that is a racist statement being, King of the jungle. being made king yeah. of the jungle. Yeah, yeah. But as we'll go on to explore, there was more to it. So what happened? Mr. Gold, the employee who got sacked, he worked as a higher officer in the border force for the home office. So he's involved in the sort of immigration control type profession. Okay. And his career, he'd, he'd worked for them for a total of 23 years. So a very long serving employee. And the dismissal centered around some allegedly racist language used by Mr. Gold. So there's various things. A colleague had reported him for using racially offensive words or slangs or slurs describing Vietnamese nationals and also a co-worker of Pakistani origins. Yep. We, we need not replicate the beastly language here, Simon, because I don't think it's appropriate. The words would turn your hair white, wouldn't they? Yep, they certainly would. Okay, so during the investigation, Mr. Gould himself admitted to referring to a black colleague as King of the Jungle. And another colleague 
he referred to as Taliban Tom. Yikes. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah. What's your reaction to these words? An initial reaction is yikes. Um, but of course, we don't know the full story and the full context yet, which is always important in employment law. Yep. But the descriptions to me are concerning. King of the jungle, uh, referring to a black colleague, my mind is immediately leaps towards an inference of racism. Yep. And I suspect that's why the headlines have specifically latched on to that phrase. Totally. And could that be harassment, do you think, um, referring to a black colleague um, as king of the jungle? Absolutely. I think it could be. Um, if it's if it's conduct which is unwanted, I yes. imagine many folk want to be called that, nope. is related to a protected characteristic. Such as race. Race, yeah. I think race would be the one that concerned me here. Yep. And then lastly, has it has the conduct had the purpose or effect of creating an intimidating, offensive, degrading or humiliating environment for the person on the receiving end? Good stuff. So again, the important words are purpose or effect. Doesn't matter if it was intended to be banter. If at the effect of causing the employee concern, um, then that is potentially amounted to harassment. And of course, in this case as well, there was, as well as um, King of the Jungle, there was another allegation that he referred to another colleague as Taliban Tom. Yep. So, so again, pretty racist in my view. So in this case, Mr. Gold was dismissed for gross misconduct. A fair dismissal, do you think? The employment judge ruled it was an unfair dismissal and awarded compensation of £16,371.27. So oh. talk to me about why that was, Jack. Why did the judge find dismissal was unfair? So, the tribunal accepted that for an employer like the Home Office, um, their employees had to be able to deal professionally and impartially with people of all nationalities. So that was important, and that there was a requirement to have an even higher sensitivity threshold in respect to the language. Okay. And they also observed that on the face of it, the Home Office had followed a fair disciplinary process for Mr. Gold. Okay. But the employment judge noted, I'm going to quote what the judge said, he said, quotes, there was an air of inevitability about the process and that all involved in the process were too hasty to conclude that Mr. Gold was guilty. So again, that is a quote from the employment judge himself. Yeah, so that was quite scathing of, of that. Totally, um, totally. And what the judge did was that he, the judge, uh, in the case he or she, I forget which gender it was, but they rattled off a list of example flaws in the Home Office disciplinary procedure. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there was a 10-week delay between the first allegation being raised and the first witness being interviewed. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, that's a fair... I mean, the ACAS code says, you know, avoid unreasonable delays. It's totally. more than two months, totally. nearly three months. Totally. They also criticised the witness statements that had been drafted. Um, apparently, they were drafted as mere summaries rather than actually recording the question and the answer format. Okay, okay. Um, compare In comparison with the claimant's own statement, which had been drafted question and answer, so there was kind of inconsistency yep. between the, the format. Yep, yep, yep. Another criticism in, the, in this case was the fact that the dismissing officer took into account how upset the complainant was about the comments, but the issue, however, was not put to Mr Gould for him to comment on. So again, in this case, um, what happened was the complainant said, I'm really upset about his comment, but that wasn't put to Mr Gould to say, is that true or what's your view on that? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. It's That's a common pitfall, isn't it, we see, see in it practice. Quite, quite often that the, maybe the employer's eager to, you know, to really put the 
put the final nail in the coffin, eh? And, totally. And, and write absolutely everything in the dismissal letter. Totally. So let's take an example. So let's say, um, well, in this case here, potentially, the person who was referred to as King of the Jungle, he was very upset with the comment, and that was noted in the decision. But that wasn't put to Mr. Gould, the claimant, to comment on. Um, and that was held to be pretty unfair. That makes sense. Basically, the general rule is that if the manager's going to make a particular finding in the dismissal outcome, then he or she also firstly has to let the employee who's being disciplined make a comment on that finding. Yes, yes. Okay, so that was found to kind of lend itself to an unfair dismissal. Another reason for the finding of unfair dismissal was the fact that two of the people who complained against Mr. Gold, they were very close friends. Yes. Could they have been mistaken? Were they both given affirmation to each other, you know, making them believe each other's version of events, even if not true? Can we think of an affirmation which we have in our daily lives, Jack? Eh, I mean, it's a wee bit like me, potentially, with um, (laughs) my one leg shorter than the other. (laughs) That's a nonsense, Jack. That's That's absolute nonsense. That is nonsense. The guy in Slater's measured me up. Oh, come on. (laughs) But because you say it so often, because you say it to people, people believe that's the case. So again, that's a potential example of affirmation whereby you and I joke about that, which it turns out... We believe it now is the case. It's like when you used to always uh, say to me that I lived a charmed life in Black Adams. <laughs> I started to believe that. <laughs> you do, Jack. A charmed life. <laughs> okay. Well, the final nail in the coffin, however, for the, for the employer in this case, was that the person who conducted the appeal process referred to the claimant having apparently escaped disciplinary action in previous instances of inappropriate behaviour. Okay, okay. And that That's a, pretty bad, isn't it? Pretty bad. You either have got past disciplinary action that's still live yes. and you take it to account, but it's a bit of a red rag to a bull for the tribunal, I think. Totally. Trying to introduce previous misbehaviour that the employer did nothing about at the time. Totally. Um, the upshot in this case was a final unfair dismissal and an award of 16 grand. Um, it could be a lot worse for the employer um, had the claimant not got a job so quickly. A pretty damning statement from the judge is summarised as follows. There appears to have been insufficient concern to make this procedure fair for the employee. The focus was to find fault with the claimant and to ignore or give little credence to his alternative explanation. The overall feeling I have is that the claimant had no chance of establishing his innocence and the die was cast at an early stage. So, that Have you been was... cast in any die recently, Sai? <laughs> not recently, no. Not recently. I had, I had did my tash, uh, just when I had the tash after Christmas. <laughs> just for Men was cast. Okay, okay. So, let's conclude with our three takeaway tips. Well, tip number one, I would say, is hopefully fairly obvious, but ensure that you follow the ACAS code of practice as an employer. And, and in particular, keep, ensure that you can demonstrate that you've kept an open mind during a disciplinary procedure and also being prepared to listen to alternative explanations given. Totally. Otherwise, you will be in Barney rubble. Oh, I like it. What do you think that is? I like that. That's trouble. (laughs) Good, Jack. Okay, good. Tip number two. Treat all witnesses the same. So if you're an employer and you're investigating a situation, don't take a very light touch approach with the people that have made the allegations and accept everything they say at face value while then in turn subjecting the accused 
to a much more rigorous questioning process. Yeah, that That's, that isn't even handed at all. And actually, in this case, they've been latched from the fact that um, they hadn't done that. Um, and for them, it all went a bit Pete Tong. Wrong. <laughs> you, you're nicking my thunder here. I'm, I'm supposed to be the rhyming slang thing around here. Colin, tip three. Tip three. If you want to rely upon previous misbehaviour, make sure that the prior behaviour was subject to a formal warning or disciplinary process. Bringing up historic stuff that an employer didn't action at the time is not a good, good strategy at all, I don't think. No, and do that actually. Go to tribunal. The judge will be... Brahms and List. <laughs> it's kind of like drunk, but rhymes with List. I don't know that one. <laughs> okay, good. Right, what okay. What does it mean? I can't say it's too rude. Oh, I know what you mean. I, I've got it now. <laughs> you got it. I've got it, yeah. Okay, that includes that. If you want to follow Jack, you can follow Jack. Jack's Twitter handle is at Employer Jack. I'm at Employer Simon. Do you want to spell Employer Jack, Jack? Yep, it's E-M-P-L-A-W-Y-E-R-J-A-C-K. You said Jai. Um, okay, and I am the same, but replace Jack with Simon. That concludes that, Yes. That concludes the session, and I would just close by saying, for any employment law queries that you might happen to have, please feel free to pick up the dog and bone. <laughs> oh, good one, Jack. Cheers and cheerio. Cheers. Cheers.